0: What's up, everybody? It's Mojack's Boys coming at you tonight. Well, it's actually just Mojack Boy because Justin is celebrating his wife's, uh, he and his wife's anniversary. Bubba is at vacation, uh, and if any of our listeners know, when Bubba goes on vacation, the first thing he does is find a tourist T-shirt to wear. So he's in the Destin, Florida area, so I'm sure he's somewhere on the beach right now wearing his Destin, Florida shirt, uh, rocking some shades. And Asbury showed up last week, so that's his once- in a six-month appearance on the, on the podcast. So uh, but the show must go on. We have some pretty big guests lined up tonight. And first with us is Jake Pavorski from the TBT. Jake, how you doing tonight, buddy?
1: I'm doing good, Brad. Appreciate You yeah, having on.
0: No problem. So I got a question for you, and we'll just start it off light, and then we'll get into basketball. So when you go on vacation, are you one of those type of people that uh, buy a tour shirt and wear it immediately? Because my younger brother is Bubba, and that's just what he does. He goes and he buys a shirt, and he just rocks it the whole time.
1: I don't buy any tour shirts. It's, uh, it's just not my style for some reason. I think uh, the memories itself are all I need to bring home with me. That's about it.
0: Yeah, that's exactly uh, how we feel about it too, and that's the way we roll. We, uh, we don't rock the tour shirts the way uh, Bubba does. But um, I talked to you earlier, so just kind of go for people that may have not caught up with us last year, uh, just kind of go over how long you've been with the TBT, uh, your role exactly, um and what and how you just came about getting involved with the tbt
1: yeah so i've worked for tbt since 2017 i was an intern for two summers and then when i graduated from college uh in the summer of 2018 they hired me full-time so kind of slowly worked my way up the ranks here to uh, director of player personnel and pr so it's a bit of a twofold gig. part of it is kind of team recruiting and team handling making sure you know, walking them through the process and through the tournament, making sure they have everything they need. And then the other half is, is overseeing all of our public relations and uh, media pitching, media correspondence, all that good stuff there to kind of go together hand in hand. But uh, I got started and got involved with TBT actually as the GM of a team, funny enough, uh, based in Philadelphia. And uh, in the early years of TBT was played in Philadelphia. Uh, so I heard about it through some friends checked it out and uh, really liked it and uh, ended up being convinced to enter a team and uh, connected with some Philadelphia pros at the time. We kind of joined forces and uh, did that for two years and just fell in love with it. I mean, Even in the early days when we weren't really playing in big arenas. And at the time we were playing in a small D3 gym in Philadelphia. uh, You could see they had something special, you know, the setup of these games, the intensity of it, the environment. uh, There was, there was certainly something there and I, I wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, Kind of be a part of it on the TBT staff side as opposed to the team entrance side. And uh, I've just been fortunate enough to to be a part of this thing and to see it grow to to where it is now, playing in eight cities across the country and, you know, 10,000-seat arenas and uh, selling out a good chunk of them.
0: So, just kind of go into – you – I mean, this is your job, right? I mean, full-time job, year-round. So, just kind of like what's the most stressful part about – Putting on these events in these different cities. I know you all added uh, Rucker Park this year in New York City. Like the first yeah. thing I thought is that's amazing, but man, what if they have some uh, bad weather? Then what? I mean, you all putting something over top the court, or just postpone it, or how's that exactly work?
1: Yeah, I pitched uh, doing a little start to so late ten. Unfortunately, that was that was shot down there. But we do have some rain dates built in. Luckily, you know, knock on wood, weather looks clear and uh, looks like we're gonna have some good weather for the the days that we we're playing there. But we do have. Uh, a couple rain dates built in just in case, and uh, we do have a backup gym. But we're also uh, going to be tarping the court. Funny enough, uh, Nick Elam, who is the creator of the Elam ending, that uh, unconventional ending that we use to our games, on the side is a groundskeeper for the Cincinnati Reds. So we're bringing him in, and he's going to he's gonna oversee our grounds crew for Rucker Park if, uh, if we end up needing it.
0: So this year in particular, you guys, they added more teams from last year, right? In their 64. How many was there last year?
1: Yeah, there were 64 last year as well, but okay. in our bubble year in 2020, we were in 24. But last year was four locations, 64, so 16 teams in each. And this is what we consider our normal model, uh, 64 teams in eight regions, so eight teams in each. We did that in 2019, and uh, that was the goal for the past two years. But obviously, uh, you know, there were there were some different plans laid out for us there that were a little out of our control. So, um
0: and I kind of talked to you last week now, you are going to be in the West Virginia region the entire time, right?
1: I am. I got to come down for the championship game, uh, or excuse me, the the regional finals last year and, and see those two games. So I was there for a day, got to experience the atmosphere, but I'm excited to, to be there for the entirety of that regional and uh, see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, and it's always, and anybody that follows West Virginia sports closely, which most of our listeners do, know that you know, we don't have pro teams here. So for these guys that so many fans uh, looked up to for so many years to come back and be able to play in front of, you know, West Virginia fans is such a big deal. And it was just different. I mean, last year when they ran out on the court uh, with the, the prep band or the pep band playing and then, you know, WVU brought their team down for one of the games. Um, so it was just a big-time deal. And West Virginia just people are, are just different. They follow them no matter what. So, that being said, what's the ticket sales look like? Could we need to do a little better, maybe a last-minute push? I know last year the attendance was pretty good, uh, and people were still kind of dealing with COVID. So, what's it looking like this year?
1: Yeah, tickets have been good. I I think we're pleased with what we're seeing. Obviously, you know, we still got plenty of seats left to fill, but, uh, you know, we got two, you know, about ten days here before games. So, I imagine West Virginia Marshall fans will continue to buy these up for the next ten days, especially as, you know, those guys in West Virginia start – They do their exhibition game. They do their kids' camps. They bring those guys back into town. I'm sure the the hype will continue to build. But, you know, we're super happy to be back there. Obviously, we were so pleased with how things went and how supportive uh, the West Virginia and the Marshall fan bases have been, you know, of those two teams. And, uh, obviously, you can see the pride, you know, that those fan bases have for those guys and the love they have for them. And I think the feeling, you know, amongst the guys on those teams is mutual. So, uh, you know, we expect a very similar crowd to, to last year and, you know, uh, a raucous environment and one that uh, you know should be should be pretty exciting to, to be a part of. It.
0: And I don't know if you know this, but for years um, WVU and Marshall actually always played at the at the Coliseum there. That has since been stopped uh, here recently. I think uh, Coach Hugs and Coach D'Antoni, <laughs> after the NCAA tournament, exchanged some words maybe. So we haven't played them. So actually, both fan bases uh, get a little bit excited to go and hopefully that second round game is heard that versus uh, best Virginia. And I would anticipate a pretty big crowd if that's the case.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it's a shame we were, we were so close to having that last year, obviously props to team 23 for handling their business and getting through there. But, uh, you know, there was certainly a realistic chance of that happening last summer. And I think at this point, you know, in year, uh, well, technically year two, but should have been year three of playing West Virginia. I think everyone's just kind of itching for these guys to to run into each other and, you know, kind of, you know, settle the uh, the battle for, you know, best team and best alumni team in the state. And, uh, you know, there's, it looks like there's a decent chance that we might get that. Obviously, you know, a couple of good teams, their opponents and uh, the founding fathers as well as the Virginia Dream team that uh, Best Virginia is playing. But, you know, certainly, you know, I think it's in a, a matchup that our fans are have been clamoring for for a couple of years. And uh, I think those guys know it's on them to, to deliver a good show here.
0: And I'm sure you followed so Best Virginia this year, you uh, I think John Flowers finally said, all right, K.J., you put together the roster. So we have a couple guys that he was able to convince uh, to play this year that haven't played previously. Uh, Devin Ebanks was a really, really big uh, star on the Final Four team back in 2010. He's playing. He's still been playing overseas. And then they went out and got uh, Caleb Wesson from Ohio State. So we're not just the complete – I mean, we're mainly WVU alumni. But they got a couple of WVU connections and then – Caleb Wesson, so we're we're pretty excited about the roster. They added some youth, so we're anticipating going and making it all the way to Dayton, and that kind of leads me into my next question. Is Dayton just that good of a basketball town to where – is that where the finals will be or the, the final games will be again this year? Because I know the NCAA always kicks off the tournament there. It's just a basketball town, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's kind of exactly you know what has led us to being there. The fact that they you know draw so well and that uh, they have so much interest you know in that local community going out and seeing those first four you know games for the NCAA tournament, even though it might not be the the highest reputation teams or the most well known teams, people still pack that place, and that's kind of what has alerted us there. So we're excited to be going back there you know for the second year and holding our our championship week there. Our, all of our quarterfinals game except for one will be there. The other will be in time And our semis and finals. Uh, we'll be in Dayton as well, so you know, a short little, you know, regardless of who comes out of that region, if it's West Virginia or her that, or you know, anyone else, you know, it's a short little drive there, you know, from from West Virginia. I think it's probably about what three hours. So yeah, hopefully, yeah, we, uh, we we get some good people to uh, come up and uh, you know share those guys on if they're they're fortunate enough to make it that far. All
0: right, so and just the final thing that we have to end it with because it's kind of what you know the TBT is known for, and that's the eel mending. So uh, earlier probably in March, I think I reached out to you and George Alexander. Uh, I think that's his name that does a lot with the TVT 2 about uh, my, my son's travel team was hosting a tournament and the guy doing it said, Hey, let's do the Elam ending. So we had target signs and, and, you know, other than the first game when I was running the clock and parents were yelling at me cause the clock stopped, everybody got the hang of it. Everybody, they really enjoyed it. So just to know that it's, you know, it's been used some and, in uh, youth sports, and then obviously the All Star Game, uh, the Elam Ending is what makes this unique, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's certainly what makes us stand out, and has uh, you know really allowed us to grab footing in the basketball world, and to you know kind of mark our territory in a sense. It just it just adds a certain intensity to that those games, and it just gives us a certain uniqueness that allows us to kind of stamp who we are, and to see people you know, take a liking to it. And, you know, you mentioned things like youth events and the NBA All-Star Game, but the uh, Canadian Elite Basketball League, which is the premier professional league in Canada, now uses it. Um, you know, you're seeing it in a lot of other events throughout the country and internationally. So, uh, clearly, we've, we've done something right here and we found something that works. And, I, you know, I think change in basketball is good, change in sports in general. And I think, you know, college basketball and then the NBA and just basketball in general, the ends of these games, can they can take a while and they can come to, a bit of a slog, and I think the Elam ending is kind of basketball in its purest form. You know, you, uh, you're playing to a certain score just like you would in the park, uh, but you're not, you know, focused on fouling and trying to, you know, draw out the game clock. It, it's it's defend and make shots, you know, and you go back and forth, and, and, and the best one wins. It gives team the who are down the opportunity to come back. We've seen some incredible comebacks over the year. I heard that, you know, in our bubble a couple of years ago when they came back, from, I think it was down 18 or 19 to upset the money team, you know, yeah. great example of, what the, the Elam ending can do for teams like that. And, uh, you know, there's nothing better than a game ending on a game-winning shot, you know, whether it's a, a clutch free throw or an alley-oop, like you saw Kevin Jones do, you know, best in West Virginia, excuse me, in uh, Virginia, and West Virginia, best Virginia's first year. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just a special moment. Um, and it's something for the fans to get into and your, your heart's kind of in your throat. And, uh, it's you know, it's a certain... Uh, it, it's hard to replicate um, in any other any other way. And uh, we've been fortunate enough that uh, it's worked out and that people are taking a liking to it. And, uh, you know, it kind of uh, makes us who we are in a sense.
0: Yeah, and there's a whole level, there's a whole different, you know, level of strategy that goes into that because if you're up, you need to take a timeout once it gets under that four minute mark or whatever that mark is. I mean, you just need to take a timeout, take the lead and just add to the target score sign. I think that almost hurt us last year in one of our games. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I love it. Uh, That's one of the things that, about basketball that can kind of slow the get the game down at the end if a team's up so much and you have to foul to try to get in it but if you have that target sign it's a target score it's like all right let's go it's kind of like schoolyard ball when you got to win by two
1: <laughs> yep absolutely without a doubt
0: and i honestly from my perspective i would rather be two away from the target sign than three because if you're three down or if you're three away from that target score, it's almost like guys just want to hit the game winner and they'll just jack up threes for five straight possessions rather than just getting a two and, and going from there. I've seen that several times, man.
1: You know, there's so much strategy that goes into it. And that And was a great example of that. You know, even if a team, let's say, is, you know, three points away and the other team's like seven or eight, there have been so many instances where these guys just try and finish it on a three. Uh, they don't even worry about trying to get the lane. And it's funny because at, at that point, teams are, are trying so hard to prevent a three that they're willing to give a layup just to see another possession. And teams don't even really realize that stuff. But it is funny when you get in those certain scenarios um, or even once, you know, you get under the four-minute mark and you have to consider, you know, taking a dead ball timeout or, you know, a stoppage there, what that means to you guys. Or, you know, if you're down, do you try and go on a running and make it tighter and then call a timeout? Or, you know, do you, you take the risk of potentially falling, you know, being down even more? Right. Uh, there's just so much that goes into those couple minutes there you know during the heel amending you know before setting it off and in those scenarios as well where i think a lot of teams as you know the tournaments continue to evolve and grow and this has become more of a mainstay teams have started to implement more strategy uh but you know at the end of the day when you're in the heat of the moment the thick of the game uh you know your brain just kind of you know may not work the way it normally would especially if you're, you know you're talking about it. In certain scenarios of practice you may not remember those in the game and. Uh, just seeing all that stuff play out, you know, live and in person and, uh, you know, even on TV is just it's, – it's cool to be a part of.
0: Yeah, and that's like last year Best Virginia. I feel like Team 23 in that game, they literally waited and played one of the guys that just, you know, really scored a lot there towards the Eagle ending. He didn't even play the, during the game until the Elam ending, and he had fresh legs and just came out there and uh, scored a bunch of points and got him over the hump. But that was a great game too, and Team 23 went on and – was, you know, second place, and we were right there with them. So we are anticipating big things from West Virginia this year, and we can't wait to uh, maybe get together with you. I know you'll be working. We'll be working and having some fun too, but it's a great event. Uh, anybody that doesn't have tickets yet, go out and get them. And, Jake, uh, we appreciate you hopping on with us tonight.
1: Yep, thanks, guys. For anyone who uh, wants to get tickets to tournament.com slash West Virginia, see you guys in Charleston in a little over a week.
0: All right, see you, man. Take care.